Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market working for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to show you hustle can be healthy when you have the humility to do it your way. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Okay, so this is episode seven. Yes. This is part two of our interview with Carl Carter. Yes. And episode part one was our last episode where he shared his mother's story and how it happened and how it all played out. Yes. So today we're going to talk about the foundation and give practical tips to realtors and things that they can be looking out for when they're on the job. So the first question that we have is... Hold on, before we go there. Okay. I have got to cut in. Carl, I know you saw me at the end of last one. I was a disaster. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm so thankful and grateful to you for telling us the story and giving us your time and reliving that. And it really is impactful and important. And I just wanted you to know that I, we really appreciated that. And it was, um, it was really, it was good to hear it from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be helpful to people who hear it. And I'm not trying to make you cry. Um, I just was so thankful. So I wanted to say that before we ask you the questions. Well, thank you very much. I I have to admit, like after we spoke, um, like it kind of got me in my head a little bit because it was like, um, you know, I've told the story a number of times, but for whatever reason, whenever we spoke and I, you know, walked away from our conversation, I was like, why is it that, you know, almost five years after mom was taken that this story still resonates? And, um, it was for a lot of the reasons that you just said. So I'm, I'm very thankful for the mm-hmm. opportunity you guys are giving me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're so happy to have you. So today will be not light, but lighter in that we'll ask you questions and kind of get some more tactical advice from you. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yes. And also be thinking, because we do think we'll be able to toast at the end of this episode. If you have anybody that you want to toast to um, that has helped you or a success story or someone that just deserves encouragement, we're going to ask you at the end who that person is for you and we'll toast to them. Well, fantastic. Yeah, I already know exactly who we'll toast to. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, good. All right. So you founded the Beverly Carter Foundation a couple of years ago. Can you talk a bit about why you chose to start the foundation and share more about the mission? Um, yeah, so we we officially started the nonprofit in January of 2017, and I am the first to admit that you know having this this little nonprofit that that actually has a pretty ambitious mission, you know, to serve you know the million and a half realtors out there. Um, you know, it's 
but also being a nonprofit nestled within a very for-profit industry is it's, mm-hmm. it's a little tricky to to build and to navigate. But I tell you, um, simply, you know, the reason why we did it was to to keep what happened to my sweet mom, her kidnapping and murder, from ever happening again. And you know, I I've spoken to hundreds of agents that have been victimized. And, you know, the, the victimization, like, it's pretty eye-opening because there's so many different scenarios. Everybody's story is different. Um, but I'll tell you, there have been a lot of repeat, uh, a lot of trends that I've seen in the, in the stories that are shared. And they, they, they kind of um, surround, you know, the topics of theft, harassment, assault, sexual assault, you know, and then those those horrible situations that I've I've learned of uh, agents and heard from agents that have been raped while showing property. So, um, you know, simply we we've got we've got to stop seeing and hearing about these stories. They they need to stop. And um, there's certainly more that can be done. And so um, we have a, a pretty good group of us at the foundation. Um, an entirely volunteer based organization that is just completely. Uh, deeply committed to to keeping these bad things from happening again. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of your videos online, you mentioned that realtor safety is often a hard message to deliver. Why do you think that is? You know, I think it can be best kind of um, explained in that, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to travel across the country and spread this message. Um, and this can kind of be best you know, um, demonstrated through a conversation on an airplane. And, you know, you're kind of getting, you know, you haven't yet had time to get your earbuds in so that you can get in your own zone and not be bothered, <laughs> which sounds horrible. But, um, but you know, so the, your seatmate is like trying to get to know you. And I'm just, you know, I always keep it high level. You know, I'm in, I work in real estate. Oh, really? What do you do in real estate? Well, residential sales. Well, where? And then, you know, it always leads. And I'm like, well, actually, it's a nonprofit. And then, <laughs> And then I, I dread that next question because the question becomes, well, what is your nonprofit for? And this is what I think kind of really illustrates why it's so hard to deliver. The second I tell someone my mom was murdered, it it makes things weird and it, it, it makes us cringe on the inside and it makes us, um, you know, hopefully feel sadness and empathy and question how did this happen and so it's that uncomfortability of of kind of recognizing that bad things have happened bad things could happen to us personally that really kind of um make it a hard message to deliver i'll also say this and i think this is important as i've talked to brokers across the country about implementing safety policies you know they say you know carl you know, we want to bring you in or we want to do more, but but agents feel as though a safety topic is, you know, the stuff that their mom and dad caught, taught them and it's kind of basic. They already know it. And even though they might admit that they're a little sloppy on it, it's things they already know. So um, so between being uber uncomfortable with, you know, acknowledging some of the, the realities of the world we live in, it's also... Um, yeah, it can feel a little basic at times to kind of get back to some of these fundamentals. So long answer there, but yeah, uh, it, I mean, it is quite a tricky message to deliver. Yeah, people think it'll never happen to them. 
And then also just the realistic side of it. You can't always have someone with you. You can't always, you know, we're in the business of internet leads and meeting new people constantly. And you can't always be on your best behavior in the safety aspect of it. How realistic is it to implement some of these things? And so I can see where the message would definitely be hard to receive even. Yeah, you know, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but, you know, I um, I lost my brother when I was much younger to uh, an automobile accident. And for whatever reason, you kind of feel like if you go through a tragedy, you met your quota. You know, like this this horrible thing happened and surely our family's good. And then this super weird thing happens where my mom gets kidnapped and murdered. And it's like, okay, now surely we're good. <laughs> like, sure, you know, I find yeah. myself in that thing like, okay, surely nothing would ever happen again to our family. Um, but I tell you, yeah, just in case, yeah, I'm taking every measure that I can yeah. to uh, reduce the risk to, to myself and my family. So, so just like on a day-to-day realtor the things that we do. If you're a realtor and you're at an open house and someone is making you feel uncomfortable, but they aren't technically doing anything wrong, what should you do? What kind of stories have you heard about, you know, open houses? So I'll just, um, you guys know, like brevity is not my strong suit, but just quickly bust down through some things. One, I heard a story um, just last week in Louisiana um, that an agent said, that she was tell- she was retelling a story of a time that she was made to feel super uncomfortable in an open house. And she said um, that she, you know, faked that she was getting a phone call. She stood on the porch. Um, and then this guy was pretty insistent that she come back inside. But and his insistence kind of confirmed her, um, you know, her her instinctual fear. Um, and so she didn't go back into the property. She said, you know, she made up a reason that that phone call, you know, escalated to her needing to leave the property immediately. Um, so I love that, that taking a phone call excuse. Um, another one that I've heard from agents and I haven't had the opportunity to use it yet, but you know, we're in the, we're in the day and age of Alexa and these, you know, super secret, like nanny cams. And, you know, it's so easy for us to be under surveillance and not even know it. Mm-hmm. And so I've, t- I've heard these agents tell these stories about, they're like, all of a sudden, like everything's going great, but then just like spidey sense kicks in. I feel uncomfortable. And so they say that they're like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, as a courtesy, I read in the property in the, you know, agent remarks of this property that they're, um, you know, that they have devices that can, um, you know, kind of be recording at all times. So if, you know, if we're interested at all in negotiating, you know, this property, just be mindful that they can hear everything we're saying. Mm. And then all of a sudden it kind of flips it like, oh, wow, the anonymity and the possibility of me getting away with a crime has just kind of gone out the window. So um, I think that's pretty, um, it was pretty clever, pretty quick thinking on the part of that agent. Um, um, And then of course, like, you know, I use, I use a a cloud-based camera. So I mine, I'm not just kind of bluffing in the moment. I actually have a camera sitting right there mm-hmm. that's live streaming straight up into the cloud at all of my open houses. And um, so it's kind of like, hi, you're on camera. So you take don't it do with anything you stupid to the open house. Oh my gosh. So this is this is kind of fun. So um, I personally, so you you know, there are a million brands out there, but I use an Amazon cloud cam. It costs like a hundred bucks. And I did no additional fees. So like with the base model, you get, 
the past 24 hours of activity. And so what it does is I take it to my open house. I set it right by my sign in, you know, my sign in and which I typically try to get as close to the front door as I can. And I, um, also important to note that where I live, it's important that we disclose that the property is under surveillance, mm-hmm. especially if, I, you know, as an agent that I'm doing it. So it's always important for us to be mindful of laws related to surveillance. But um, the cool thing about those cameras is, one, it's cloud-based. So it's automatically shooting that video up into the cloud. So in case, you know, a bad guy were to snatch the camera, we've got him on camera. The next, like, other things that I love, it has two-way communication. So if my wife... You know, I couldn't get a buddy to go with me to the open house, you know, kind of back to your point about, you know, let's be realistic about what we can do from a safety perspective. Sometimes we can't always get somebody to sit there with us. Um, It has two way communication. So she can not only she could just have her laptop up at home, be watching the live stream to make sure that I'm safe. And then she can also if she wants to. And we've actually tested it, which was pretty hysterical. I was like, look, I want you to a let's test this functionality and b make me look super fancy. And so I had my wife. So her voice comes over the camera and she says, you know, hey, Mr. Carter, this is your assistant, Kim. And, um, you know, just checking to make sure that your open house is going well. You know, the people in the house, they have no idea that that's not my assistant. That's just my wife. Um, But it's kind of cool. And then from, you know, I, my favorite things, and maybe I shouldn't admit this, I love it when safety is integrated with other things. Yes. So when I talk to agents about, I'm like, okay, yes, your safety is important, but here's another benefit of using like these cameras. And it's that I, and I've done it a couple of times and I cringe you can go back and review the footage of how you are greeting people as they come through the property and you realize, no wonder these people didn't want to talk to me. I sounded like the biggest goob or, you know, I sounded like I wasn't interested or knowledgeable about the property. So um, there's some learning that you can do kind of by, you know, replaying your performance. So anyway, I love that. I'm I'm pretty passionate about using that. Um, Another disclaimer I'll give is that, you know, cloud-based means that you need internet to hit the cloud. And I would never want to, unless I'm like super good friends with my seller, ask them for their Wi-Fi. So I just either use my phone's hotspot or I also have a separate device, one of those little MiFi bricks Mm -hmm. that, um, so I always have internet with me. Okay. You mentioned that you put the sign-in sheet close to the entrance or or near the front. I want to hear about that. And then when someone doesn't want to sign in and leave their name and number, how do you handle that? Um, So. What I, my personal experience is that I had the open house sign-in sheet historically, like the way I was taught, the way my mama did it, you know, type thing was, you know, put it on the kitchen counter. You have your water, your cookies. We're good. It's just the place that makes sense. But my experience was that I wasn't, especially if it got a little bit busy, I wasn't able to properly engage with those people. So they've already been in the property for, you know, maybe three or four minutes before then I'm looping in. I'm like, hey, guys, you know, can I um, get you to sign in, you know, and then we go through our spiel of, you know, we'd like to let the sellers know that they're, you know, buyers interested in their property and also keeping record of um, of the people that, that are accessing um, their property today. So um, I found that if, um, you know, and this will sound a little bit more aggressive than I mean for it to, but I found if I can even like, I, I have a little table with a, um, 
a tablecloth and it's like a collapsible table that I keep in a nice tablecloth that I keep in my, in the back of my vehicle. That's kind of with my realtor, all my realtor stuff, my rubber mallet and flashlight and all that stuff. Um, so I found like, I can just bust, like if their living room or so whatever it is by the front door, the foyer is not really conducive to a sign in sheet. Then I can just do like an, like an auto, my realtor setup, And then I'm catching them right there. And I'm like, Hey, welcome. And then they're so overwhelmed by like, whoa, here's this, this, this realtor, this salesperson. And if I want to get past him, um, I'm going to need to, uh, to, uh, you know, just go ahead and sign in. And, um, as with most safety things, I think that the fewer the words, the better. And I personally don't use language that, you know, like I'm having you sign in because this is for the safety and the security of myself and the seller's belongings. I don't use that kind of verbiage because I think it puts people on the defense. Um, but, you know, more makes it, you know, just about, um, you know, we want to let the sellers know that um, that you are here today. Um, and then sometimes, you know, if you can tell that their hesitancy because they're like, oh, here we go. Another salesperson is going to be hounding me from until the end of time, uh, you know. I can either, you know, at that point, find out if they're working with a realtor and quickly mark them off or I can, um, you know, just, uh, you know, just give them the assurance that I'll just, you know, reach up, reach out one time or something after mm-hmm. to see, yeah. you know, if I can be of assistance. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's really changed my strategy and um, it's um, to be more of an active agent in an open house rather than. Because what I would find is that for whatever reason, like the kitchen became command central. Mm-hmm. And so I've got my sign-in sheet. I've got my my camera. I, I'm there. And I don't want to be a, an agent that hovers too much. So then I find myself, you know, and just this is just true talk here. Like, you know, you're scrolling Instagram before you know it. And you're not selling. You know, you're not doing what's best for your seller. So, right. uh, yeah, having it right there is uh, has been a game changer for me because it forces me to keep my head in the game. It's funny that you mentioned like you don't want to jump into like this is for safety and we need to document you and like scare people. But this weekend I got someone that responded to one of my listings on Zillow and they just emailed to my you know and said, hey, can we see this property Sunday at 1230? And they didn't say anything else. And it just said like his name. And um, I having just come off the interview with you, I was pretty sensitive about it. And so I just responded and said, absolutely. I'd love to set that up for you. I do have a few questions. Did you have a realtor you were working with? Where are you in this process? Mm -hmm. And he responded like two days later, annoyed sort of, um, just kind of like, um, look, we just want to see the house. We don't have an agent. Can you show us or not? And I thought, you know, I don't know this person. I'm going to just and this is all via email, I'm just going to be honest. And I responded and said, absolutely, I can help you. You know, like any job, I just tell my sellers that anybody that I'm bringing into their home has been checked out. Per our licensing law, we uphold a level of professionalism. And so I just have a few questions. And I'd be happy to show you the house after we get those questions answered. And it seemed like he responded well to that. Like just being like, I guess, you know, that makes sense. The realtor brand as a whole isn't always taken professionally. They think that we're just door openers. They just want us to be on demand, on call, be there when they say. They don't want us to actually have paperwork. 
and actually like what if you went in to the, see the doctor and they give you the you know sign in sheet that's eight pages like they do with all your information and you're like look I don't really want to fill this out can I just see the doctor and we should be as realtors upholding some professionalism as as well before we just jump in the car and go meet them at their beck and call you know so I like that you're implementing that um, yeah, and I just have to say that was so beautifully said. You really need to make a transcript from from this uh, this podcast and and really get those kind of build that out into an article. And it's funny that you said that too because um, I had an opportunity last night to just kind of sit down. I was asked to write an article that will be released um, by Riz Media on the anniversary of my mom's death that's coming up, and in in my closing statements within that that. Um, that article, I just, I pointed out how there is such a, there's such a call for internally within our industry. We, we recognize the need for us to not only increase the public's perception of our professionalism, but also let's be real as a whole, we all there, there's just some things that we could do to up it. And so I, I, um, I encouraged, um, agents to, to consider, safe practices being a part of professionalism. So, sure. so you just kind of gave me a high five on that without even Good, knowing. So yes. thank you. You gave me some validation. I needed professionalism it. Professionalism <laughs> and safety really go hand in hand. Right. You know? Absolutely. Truly. Truly. Yeah, okay. So tell us about, we know in your courses that you talk about the importance of screening and verifying the identity. So it would apply to what Alyssa has just said. You're getting a new client. How do you screen and verify those people? You know, you know, kind of thinking back to the last time we talked, you know, about my sweet mom, and I will tell you, you know, maybe it's a little short-sighted, but so many things that that I've tried to build out related to safety and opinions that I've formed about safe practices go back to my mom's story. And I think through, before I recommend anything, I think through, would this have saved my mom's life? Mm-hmm. And so I feel wholeheartedly that my mom would have made different decisions had she known the true identity of these people and been able to verify that they weren't coming from out of state, they were just coming from across town. Had she been able to find out that the husband was a seven-time felon. Um, and so whenever I think about screening, um, you know, I, you know, the example that you just gave and the way you worded that with that client was so um, so eloquent. I can't promise that my um, <laughs> that I am nearly as skilled as that uh, at doing it. But I, I do encourage agents to 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 think about uh, the screening process. And some agents are perfectly fine if someone sends them a copy of their driver's license via text. They're like, hey, if I've got, they say their name is John Smith. They send me a copy of their driver's license via text. It says John Smith. They're fine. Um, There are others that go to their state. You may or may not know that there are state resources that exist. You know, you think of like, it's all good for all bartenders to know how to spot a fake ID. And Mm -hmm. so there are state resources for each each driver's license anyway that will show you the components of a a, a real deal. Um, And so that's another layer. And then if you kind of keep thinking about the layers that you can add on, like insisting that you meet it in a public place, 
or some agents, you know, and my hat is off to them because I, I, I haven't been able to take this hard line in the sand. It's not just a public place. They insist upon the office mm-hmm, right. and be, and they do that so that their other agents, A, they know that there's surveillance in the, the buildings. So they can catch them on camera and they know that other agents can meet them. Um, but I'll say, I don't know about how y'all's experience is, but it's like 90% of the time, unfortunately, my office is just not convenient to that first to where property you, right, they don't to see. Where you're going. <laughs> so logistically, it just doesn't make sense. You know, and it's just, yeah, it's just a sad fact. Um, so, um, so, so there's that. And I love all those different layers that we can add. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have one on, out on our website, NAR has it on theirs. You know, there are different versions floating all around of a client profile form that can be used whenever for that initial consult. And so it not only makes sure that, that you're capturing kind of their, their background info, but also that you're cap, you're asking the right questions and in a consistent, appropriate way. Uh, on how you can serve them and what they're looking for in a home. Um, I love, love, love that. And, you know, I don't know if we touched on it last time, but, you know, one of the most damning pieces of evidence in my mom's trial was that client file that she had. Mm -hmm. And although, you know, most of the information that had been provided by the bad guys was, was, you know, fiction, they once they figured out who the people on the other side of those lies were, there was actually a really powerful piece of, uh, of evidence. Um, one last point I'll make on this is uh, technology related. You know, um, I know we talked last time about how the bad guys use Google and Facebook and property uh, records against my mom to profile her. And of course, we can reverse that and we can do that for the people that we're working with, um, access those public records. But I use um, a piece, a smartphone app, so it's a bit of technology. In addition to that, so I don't know if you guys have heard of the app called Forewarn. Um, it's F-O-R-E-W-A-R-N. And it is as simple as, uh, I mean, it's the most simple uh, software. And what it's really like this simple interface that goes out and hits all these databases. And so how it works is that you get a call from a new, um, a new lead, possible client, and you have their phone number, of course, they give you their name and information, whatever, even basic information, if it's just their name. And so uh, you, this app works with that phone number. And so you take that phone number and you copy paste it into this app and it goes out and it searches this database, all these databases to see if, if the name matches that phone number at any point in time. Hmm. And so now that's not going to tell you if um, now there are things like if I were to pull it up right now, you would see by name, every car I've ever owned, every place I've ever lived. Uh, If I had a criminal record, you'd see that there and also some financial records such as like bankruptcies that 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 would live there. So it's pretty robust um, and interest, you know, really, um, really helpful information. One thing that I'll say is it's 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 a cool tool. So. Uh, back to our point about, um, gosh, I'm getting excited about seeing. <laughs> see, I get yeah, all like fired awesome. up about it. Um, but one thing that's cool, back to that point of it, a a resource not just being safe, but also helping our business be more efficient. What I do is that if I get like all of us do nowadays, we get these calls from these telemarketers that are calling us from. Lo- it looks like a local number, yes. but in fact, it's who knows where. You know, mm-hmm. for some junk right. reason. Um, I take that phone number 
and I copy paste it into this app. And if it returns results with names, I know that, that that's probably worth a call back just to see if it could be a potential client. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't return any results, I know that it's a spoof number being yeah. used by a telemarketer. So I not only have something that's helping me verify the identity of a client, but I also have um, something that's helping me kind of, uh, you know, filter out the spam. Yeah. Um, and so... I stinking love that app. Um, you know, just one thing, just a last point on that. It is important to note, and people are, are uh, have given me feedback, and it's absolutely spot on. You know, simply verifying a person's identity alone isn't isn't enough to you know give you this calm assurance that this this person couldn't have malintent. So it, it really goes to show how we have to continue to build out these layers and uh, go ahead and try to assess intent through those initial consults. Interesting. So sometimes like we get calls where you're going into a client's home for a listing interview. So maybe it's not buyers. Maybe you're not meeting them to show houses. You're going to their house. Any specific precautions you would recommend for that? So just quickly, um, one, always let people know, you know, do the background checks as best you can. Let people know exactly where you're going, even for listing uh, appointments and listing presentations. And if possible, when you're there, bring another agent or someone, anyone. And back to my example earlier where I had my wife pose as my assistant, you know, we're not trying to have them pose as an agent and break all kinds of rules, but they just sit there. Maybe they note take and, uh, you know, just say they're they're an apprentice or an, an assistant, whatever it is. Um, that's a great way. And it kind of makes you look, you know, back to my my, my fancy word there. <laughs> makes yeah. you look fancy. I'll say um, I've heard stories about and, and I'm really glad that you raised the point because although rare, there have been some really crazy stories of agents being lured into these listing appointments um, that you really would think that that would be a safe zone because the people own the property, obviously they're going to, with their anonymity is stripped, why would they, why would they do crazy things? But some of these people are off the rockers or you know, or they just have this criminal intent, Um, or they have just quick, quick other stories to get your mind thinking about listing appointment safety. They have, um, I I know a horrible story about an an agent that they, you know, there for a listing appointment and there was um, an an adult child lived there with, um, with disabilities and they had mental disabilities. And so they, they really, it, they were afraid when they saw a new face. And so they really lashed out at the, at the agent. It was Mm -hmm. a pretty scary situation. And then um, another one, um, and this is one of the craziest stories that, that I've heard um, is that they, so imagine you get a call and it's someone and they say, Hey, you know, we live here. We also, we, we want to sell, but we want to stay in the same neighborhood. Like we love this neighborhood. We just want a different house. Um, We've been eyeballing that one down the street would you go and just see if they would be interested in selling that to us? And we will, um, you know, we'll use you as the realtor. You'll get both sides. Like it, it'll just be like, and then you sell our house. I mean, it sounds like a dream come true. If you can get this, you know, this homeowner to, to sell. 
But the agent didn't know that the intention of these these people to get her to to go to this house to see if this person was interested in selling was not what they said at all. These homeowners had found out that that a sexual um, predator had moved into the neighborhood. And so once they found that out, they wanted to buy them out and get them out of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But they sent without giving her the heads up at all, they sent an agent right in to have that conversation with a person that had just recently gotten out of prison for rape. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, you know, and I don't want to ever make anyone think that, you know, some of these, you know, it's like, sometimes we get overwhelmed by safety, you know, all that could happen. And Mm -hmm. so we kind of throw our hands up and we're just like, you know what, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And I I don't want us to encourage that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, reaction at all, but we do have to be mindful. Well, I think we have a long way to go because one of the main reasons, for example, asking someone for their driver's license, I went, I have done that before. And a lot of the kickback from the public is, None of the other agents asked me for that. It's hard when I say, hey, as a licensed realtor, it's my duty and my responsibility to vet everybody that comes into my seller's home, make sure that if they like the house, they're able to purchase it before they pack up the dog and the kids and leave the house. And they go, well, the other realtor said they would just show it to me. And they are not asking any questions. And that, I think, is a problem within the realtor brand is that there are, and new agents, you know, you're so hungry for it. You don't want to lose the client. You're, you're just, you'll do anything, but it has to get to a point where as a group, we're all consistent with asking for the same things. And maybe at some point we can get the commission or NAR to implement that sort of like the blue, can we replace the blue pamphlet, the blue agency pamphlet with making it a requirement to get a driver's license, right? you know, yeah. something that is a requirement by law that if you don't do, you could be fined. Um, so that way there's some consistency and that, that would be something in the future to fight for. But yeah, the problem is, is that we're not doing any of it. Most of us, most of us are just what we call pop tart agents. You get a call, you run and go. You don't want to miss the sale. You're so hungry. You just go. And um, there are no precautions being taken at all, really. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so I completely agree with you. I want to share kind of another um, another angle that hopefully we can come at with with just that particular scenario. And I I see it in the um, I know you guys may be familiar with this, but in the Des Moines, um, Iowa uh, market and, and for their board, they have a form that is, you know, it's not like just some person made it up. Like it's literally like their, their association created it, worked with legal, you know. Awesome. So they have this form that as part of when you sit down and you're, you're writing, you know, you're, you're listing a house with the seller, there's an additional form and it gives the seller the ability to um, essentially require that any person that walks through that property has been verified, um, that their identity has been verified. And so coming at it from that way, it's where in, like in your scenario, you, you are advocating for your client and you're showing your professionalism. This form kind of forces it. Mm -hmm. Um, now finding, you know, 
you know, policing that is probably, you know, a challenge. But I think that that's a really cool step and a pretty powerful leadership that they're showing there in Des Moines. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and at least puts it on the radar for the agents where this is a common form. You know, as a new agent, sometimes you don't even think all that through until it's too late. But if they said these are the forms and here, oh, yeah, I should vet these people before they, mm-hmm. you know, come in. Most of us come into the industry blindly and we don't have a clue how it's going to work. And, and, and having someone say, this is what our office does. And really, I do think this is something that brokers can instill safety in their agents. And I use my broker as an excuse all the time when I want to put a policy in place for me. Whatever that policy is, I'll just say, my broker requires me to do X. And then I've got someone that I'm pushing an awful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah. Carl, what do you feel are the top five safety tips that every realtor should have? What would your top five be? Um, So we've hit on some of them already. Um, one, you know, to to screen consistently, um, and and by screen consistently, um, I think that you know we should screen in, with the same consistency that we apply fair housing. Um, I I've, I have found and I've heard stories of you know, um, and I've seen it happen where we only require ID or we only require meeting at the office if. If it's a, you know, a person with a deep voice or a person of color, um, and that is just not okay. Um, So can, and in consistency, just make sure, A, it just makes sure that we get everyone. um, And it's just the right thing to do. Um, So um, from there, you know, and, and gosh, you know, even when we talk about my mama's story, um, you know, we, we know that when she was when she had to make the decision outside that house that day, do I go in or do I not? Um, we know she had that sinking feeling in her stomach and um, related to, you know, just that that instinctual, this isn't what we agreed to. Gosh, should I do it? And so I know, you know, agents don't come to safety training because they don't want to hear somebody tell them yet again to trust their gut. But my goodness, trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Um so th- those are big. I would say too, um, something that I would really encourage is to, I'll say it high level and then I'll, I'll drill it down really quickly to make sense of it, is to set up a buddy system. And so, you know, I, it is my hope for every person listening to this, that you have a, you have a, a sh- small circle of people in your life that you are absolutely, you are so close to them that you are absolutely okay with taking your phone out and sharing, you know, having that share location turned on at all times. Mm -hmm. So you've had, you sat down and you've had the conversation like, you know, I'm not turning this on because, you know, for what, you know, I just, I want you, if you ever need to know where I am, I trust you and I trust that you won't abuse uh, my privacy through that. But it's my hope that everyone has that. Yeah. Um, And I also, it's my hope, you know, I, one thing that I, love is that there there's this this team out in Colorado Springs that I met and so they they have this this um, system set up which is so funny to me but it's they like have these emojis and each emoji they've set like 
a, like, you know, it means something. And it's like random emojis. It's not like, you know, like the, a person, you know, like fire for trouble. Like you would literally never know. It's like the apple emoji means I'm doing great. And um, what they do is that they just like, and they say they don't even have a formal process, but it's become so ingrained that they do it all the time. Like if I were to sit here right now and, you know, I'm thinking about you guys. And so I'm like, you know, I'm just going to send them the, you know, whatever that the emoji is. Yeah. Is it is it the thumbs up emoji, whatever it is that we agree to. And that emoji just means, hey, I I just need to know you're okay. And um, and so if you reply back something a little shady, you know, the, the shady emoji, <laughs> um, then I know that I need to, to, to come after you. So to that point of, of a buddy system is that it's not that you necessarily follow me around physically because we know that's not realistic. Right. It's that we have developed such a great communications process that and trust that I'm cool with you um, knowing my business and I trust you with my business. Right. So, awesome. yeah. But those, I don't know that that's five, but that's, I think that's a good list. That's right a good there. list. That's Perfect. awesome. I really think that's, that's all we have for questions. Is there anything else that you didn't get to touch on that you want to touch on? Are you feeling like we've kind of got a good overview of what you do and especially what the foundation does? Um, you know, I, I, the only thing I would add is that, you know, we talked, as we've talked earlier about safety kind of being, you know, in layers. And I, I hope that everyone will just really think of it that way, because I, I've seen many agents that they have one resource and they put all of their confidence for their personal safety in that resource. So that resource may be an app. It may be the fact that their, you know, their husband is a police officer and he accompanies them most of the time, or it may be that they carry a handgun. And so you see a lot of people just kind of throw caution to the wind because they're like, well, I have this one thing. Right. And um, I really, I hope that in some way, you know, my words today and our conversation that, that it kind of gets you to thinking about how multifaceted uh, safety really needs to be. Yeah, and I know that you have so many resources on your website and through the foundation. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, ask more questions, look at your resources, what's the best way for them to reach you or where should they go? Yeah, so just a couple of things quickly. So to the point of our website, it's beverlycarterfoundation.org. And if if I were to tell someone that had never been to the website where to go, um, I promise I'm not going to send you to the donate part of the website first. <laughs> um, but where I would go if I were you is click on the training tab and then click on downloadable resources. There you will find one page resources that you can literally just print off and you can take it to your sales meeting or whatever. Um, there's actually one that will help you help guide a conversation with a seller about their safety. Um, those are really great. They're really quick and they're packed full of really good cited um, information. No fluff. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with me, my email address is carl at beverlycarterfoundation.org. And um, I will just say that um, I'm not only a resource for, for all things safety and um you know, kind of being a co-victim, but, you know, a lot of realtors have a passion for doing 
more in their communities. So there are realtors that want to start nonprofits or get involved in nonprofits. Um, you know, having built this from scratch, knowing nothing, <laughs> um, I I would love to spare anyone that's interested. Um, you know, some some growing pains by sharing some lessons learned there. So happy to be a resource for anyone. That's awesome. Well, who yeah. would you like to toast to at the end of this episode? Yes. Who is your person? So, so my toast, as I, I sit here holding my my sugar free monster energy drink, which okay. means I won't sleep for <laughs> <Perfect>. two days. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, my toast goes to a a board member from our Beverly Carter Foundation. She's also a realtor. Her name is Jen Stanbro, and she lost her best friend. Um, her name was Ashley Oakland. And Ashley was um, sitting in a model home um, selling in April of 2011, and someone came in and murdered her. And they have never, there's never been justice for Ashley. Um, but her friend Jen has now like linked, like locked arms with me. And um, I mean, she is feisty and brilliant and fired up about safety, and I will toast to her. That's Every awesome. day. That okay, is. let's toast to Jen. Toast to her. Yes. Toast awesome. to Jen. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, Carl. We can't wait for your episode to air. And I think it's totally fine to say if you learn something from these two episodes and have it in your heart to donate to the Beverly Carter yes. Foundation, I think that you should. And I think that it's a great cause and it's Realtor Safety Month. Yes. And that's what this is all about. So thank you so much for coming. Yes. Thank oh, you, it's... Carl. It was awesome. Oh, my pleasure. I feel like we're like old friends now. I know. <laughs> we are. We need to do this every week. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode topic or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Don't forget to send in your wins. See you next week.